Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never, Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what kind of circumstances they faced. And every single one of my guests has a story. Just like everyone listening has a story. Each of us has a story to tell. Each of us have come at some point in our lives against a mountain or a situation that we thought was insurmountable. And yet we have learned to use the tools that life gives us and that we learn from other sources, such as this show. My guests have overcome incredible circumstances. And as a result, they have a passion to share their stories, their circumstances, how to overcome situations such as poverty, abuse, sickness, depression, disease, uh, any number of things that each guest has a unique story and yet we all can relate on some level. And that's what's exciting because no matter if you've lived their story or something similar, we still can relate to each and every story. And that's what I love. That's exciting. Just as my guest today has a story about mountain climbing. I'm terrified of heights. There's <laughs> no way that I'd be up there climbing a mountain. I can barely get up the stairs without, you know, looking backwards and feeling fear. Well, not quite that bad. But you get the picture. So, and yet I know that my guest today is going to have things that I can take away from about his story, his mountain climbing adventure that he's going to relate on a personal level from himself and also for each one of us. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries and my listening audience is growing consistently, which tells me that no matter where we are in this world, we want to hear stories of survival and more importantly stories of hope so thank you for tuning in today thank you for contributing for leaving feedback for sharing your stories and if you have a story or know someone that would love to be on our show please contact us today i have gary sinclair with me hi gary hey carol good to talk to you i love your low voice you've got a radio voice <laughs> <laughs> gary is an author of three books he's a leadership coach he's a musician and he's a speaker he has two master's degrees in counseling and theology 
and he provides wisdom, inspiration, and I love this one, practical help to overcome those insurmountable mountains in our own lives. He not only has climbed nine 14,000 foot mountains, but has overcome tremendous challenges, and that's what we're going to sh- really tap into today. His latest book is called Never Quit Climbing. I love that. Overcoming Life's Seemingly Insurmountable Mountains. And I like the way he put that in the title. Seemingly. In other words, it's how we look at situations, isn't it, Gary? It sure is. You know, know, what I've often said, whenever you run into a major problem, if you look at the summit, (laughs) you're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so that seems like I'm not going to get up to the top of that. Exactly. And one thing that I have pushed on this show since we started, and that is so much of it, and so much of the stories of survival and success that my guests have shared has been because of attitude. Mm-hmm. And that I you know bet. that that's what you're going to be talking about today. So let's get started. Now, as we already mentioned, most people do face hopeless situations at some point in their life whether Mm -hmm. it could be finances or grief which is huge loss of so many different kinds relationship Mm -hmm. struggles work issues illnesses and sometimes just as you have already said that summit seems impossible to reach so let's begin before we talk about um, what you've learned is tell us about your love for mountains and climbing Sure. My parents um, took us on vacation back when I was the end of elementary school. We, one of the first places we went was to Banff, uh, Canadian Rockies. We went to the Tetons, and and then we went to Colorado. And we we would hike. We didn't do major uh, climbing, but one time we finally did a big mountain and and that's what really got me into the whole let's try something bigger than I've ever done and I had a real disappointment when I was 11 and and talk more about that in the book and maybe later but uh, loved the mountains and always wanted to go back and was hoping the next vacation would be in the mountains so we we did uh, more of those and uh, then as we had children we uh, were able to go to Colorado on a regular basis and, and, and had a timeshare out there. And so we began to do special things with the kids. And one of the things I did was I would climb a 14er with them. I, I promised my son three before he got out of high school. And we did four, actually. Did several with my daughter. And then finally one uh, with my wife. And, and it's just been a really, we've learned so much. Uh, not to mention the beauty of you know being in places where right. a lot of people never get to go. Now, before we get into the principles that you've learned, at what point in your life can you remember at what age you were that you actually looked at the mountain and and maybe had one of two thoughts: either I'll never reach the top, or were you thinking I can reach the top? Well, when I was 11, uh, my parents uh, and and I and with some friends out there who had climbed a mountain called Long's Peak, it's the biggest one you can see from Denver, um, we decided we're going to climb it with them. And I got up, my dad and I got up to 13,000 feet and we both got mountain sickness and we had to turn around and come down. I was devastated. Oh, really? 
Yeah, that I I just said I so badly thought I was going to make it to the top of Long's Peak, and I did not. And I vowed someday I would come back and I would climb that sucker. How many years later? It was th almost thirty years to the day. Oh I did my it goodness. with my I did it with my thirteen year old son. Now, do they love mountain climbing as much as you? Uh, they do. Like I said, they did mountains with me. In fact. Um, if if they have a chance, and now they both have you know kids and growing families, but when they've had the chance, uh, they've gone uh, to the mountains on their vacation, a honeymoon, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, they still love it, and we're. I still hope we might have a couple fourteeners in us. We'll see. Yeah, that's right. Someday you might have to hang up your. What, what do you call those? <laughs> yeah. You know, when, well, do your hiking boots. Exactly. Yeah. So when was the moment that you realized that there was an analogy between mountain climbing and life? Well, I, I think in adulthood was when at, I first started to sense that. In fact, that was when I began to coin the phrase, never quit climbing. I had done enough yeah. of these 14ers that I knew what it took, that it was not easy. It, it, I mean, I, you know, I'm not like the guy in the new movie Free Solo, you know, who's hanging on the side right, of a right, 3,000 right, foot right. cliff. But it's still hard when you get up in that kind of altitude and, and all of that. So I began to know that that was hard, but I would encourage people with this little phrase at the end of an email or whatever, never quit climbing. But it was when my wife, uh, after her first 14er, which was about 14 years ago, uh, she got to the top, she did great. And we went home, and three months later, she was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And it was during that next year and a half that we began to realize how powerful the lessons we'd learned in the mountains were. So let's talk a little bit about those lessons. But before we do that, did you sure. mention what a 14er is? Did I miss that? Um, was it 14,000 plus It's feet? a 14,000 foot mountain, yes. But they're not all 14,000 feet. So. No, but in Colorado, there are 52 okay, um, of okay. those. So right. most of them in Colorado are over 14,000. That's why they're called 14. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's back up. Now, your wife is diagnosed. And walk, yeah. us, th walk us through that from the beginning. Uh, what, what was the emotion? Was it fear or was it uh, this is a challenge and we're going to beat it? Well, you know, it's a little bit like the whole grief process. You start with shock. I mean, the first thing, uh, you know, we, we thought she was going for a routine um, checkup, um, more of a follow-up, and the doctor said, I don't think this is anything, any big deal. And then she goes and he says, well, you have a tumor, and it's stage three, which means it's moved beyond the tumor. And so the first thing was simply shock and and that's why I say it, it felt like Mount Everest like we can't possibly climb that and it took you know several weeks uh, of just catching our breath and slowing down and finally getting to the point where we went wait a minute we need to think of this as a mountain that we climb well so we started that that thinking and and uh, for for example well, one of the things I talk about in the book is that you you never climb alone. Some people will remember Aaron Ralston from 2003, the young man who got his arm caught. He was hiking alone in Utah, and boulder fell on it, and he ended up having to, you know, sever or you know, cut off part of his arm. Well, 
he probably would have, you know, would have done a whole lot better if he'd had someone with him, but he did not. And, and so that was one of the things we learned was how important other people were going to be on our journey and that we had to invite them in and you know we'd spent a lot of our life helping other people we needed to let them help us that was that was one of the first lessons we learned phenomenal lesson I love that don't you also think that many people think they're islands unto themselves and they can they can do it and it shows weakness if they ask for someone to be with them they do and and there's a couple things with that one is if you have been in a helping role, you know, I was in, in the ministry for a while, I was a counselor, I was a teacher, my wife the same, you know, we were in a helping role all the time. So all of a sudden, all these people are saying, no, we want to help you. Yes. And and your first response is, no, 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 I, I, you know, that's that's not okay. And we had to change our, as you said, attitude about that and go, no, we need to give these people an opportunity. Uh, they they want to help. And uh, one of the coolest stories was the gal who took my wife to many of her chemo treatments, and she had lung cancer herself. Yeah, it, it was just a way, it was part of her getting better. Yes, yes. And so that was really a, a neat thing. Well, that also goes with this, that whenever you want to help yourself, you find someone who's worse off than you. You bet. And help them. You bet. And, yep. you know, the crazy thing is that's how blessings are reciprocal because they go round and round. You bless them, they bless you. You know, it's it's if you want to address that a little bit, feel free. Well, when, when you say no to someone, for example, we have people come in and say, we're going to fill up your freezer with food. You know, we're going to bring you meals and all this kind of a thing. And, and, again, our first response was, oh, no, you know, we don't need that. And then we realized part of saying no would be to steal their blessing. We're stealing an opportunity for, that they could have to, to do something for someone else. So, you know, we had to really change our thinking on that. But again, the mountain idea, the fact that you don't climb alone. Uh, I've been on mountains where people shared their water. We've shared water. Uh, there was a girl, a young gal that got left on a very long hike. All her friends went ahead of her. And we let her hike with us the rest of the day. Well, that's what you do. You know, you help each other. So lesson number two. Well, if if I were to pick a a big one, and it's it's kind of the central one, so I don't don't want to miss this one, it's that you have to take your mountain one part of the trail at a time. Uh, When Jackie was diagnosed, we heard lots of words. We heard surgeries, we heard chemo, we heard radiation, we heard CAT scans, we heard MRIs. That was all in the picture. And, you know, that's a weight that you can't carry. Um, Just like you can't, you know, look at the top of Everest and, and climb it in one day. So we really know that everything changed for us. It's We still had a mountain to climb, but everything changed when we finally said, all right, the first thing we have to do is what? Well, maybe it was radiation. Then we're going to study that. We're going to learn about it. We're going to talk to the doctors about it, pray, whatever you need, we needed to do. And that was our focus. And we got through that. And then we went to the next thing, just like we do on a mountain. I take candy bars. My wife likes Snickers. And so... I say when we get up to the sixth switchback, mm. we're having our first candy bar. It was our little reward, but that's that's how you do it. You you go one part of the trail at a time, and you don't worry about you know what's what's coming. That was huge. 
I like what you just said. You don't worry about the next step because that's what makes it look insurmountable. It, so it, it it's does. one step at a time. Well, well, it is, and you know, along the way, you you celebrate those, you know, because you got a lot of people who are these high achievers, and so they they may get through their first step, but they're on their way to the second one. And I always say to people, look, at some point on a mountain, what you do is you stop, and you go, wasn't that great? You even turn around and you look down and go, look at how far we've come. Right, See, a lot of people right. forget to do that, and and so they're exhausted, thinking, I don't think I can make it the rest of the way. Just turn around, and you go, wait a minute, wow. did we come all that way? Yeah, well, that's what you do with cancer, or that's what you do with finances, or whatever. You turn yes, around, yes. And look at where we've come from. Wow, oh, I can certainly relate to that. I'm sure everyone can. Lesson number three. Uh, well, there's a there's another climber by the name of Ed Vesters. He's climbed the 14 highest peaks in the world, which would be the Himalayas. And he's done them all without supplemental oxygen. He's unbelievable. He's he's like one of my climbing heroes. But but he says something very smart. He says, you know, getting to the summit is only half the climb. You have to get back down. And there's some truth in that for life mountains that you know, getting to the summit, whether it's, you know, an addiction you've overcome, if it's finances, you, you've got to come back down. And that means you have to come back and live in, in the real world. Hopefully that climb changed you in some way. So when you go back down, then you have to start, you know, living in a new way. With my wife, it was, you know, there were some changes that she had to make because of her cancer. She's doing great, by the way. Oh, with finances, you don't come back down and start, you know, running your credit card all the way up right, again. Right. <laughs> you know, so so I call that the descent. It's getting ready to go back and live in the valley again, and that's a good thing. But again, there's some preparation that needs to be done. There are some again people you need to have in your life that will help you, you know, maintain that. Uh, a great athlete, you know. Uh, golfer, swimmer, whatever, they are constantly maintaining the level that they've reached. And and that's true in the mountains. You, you've got to come back down. You know, I don't think I've ever heard that before because yep. you always hear about the climb, yep. but you don't hear about the descent. And that's and maybe because it's looked at as a negative when it isn't really. Like you no. said, it's a reality. Well, it is a reality. If you remember, uh, in 1996, the Into Thin Air book that was written, and uh, it was a major climb on Everest, and uh, most of those people made it to the top. On the way down, 16 of them died. Why? Because they did not prepare in the big picture for the whole thing. So, yeah, sometimes the descent is actually the most dangerous. You're tired. You're, you're a little worn out. Maybe you're happy and you're giddy, but you're you're not thinking, you know, or maybe you're just fired up and all that. So there's a whole process and, and a whole set of things that have to be recalled on the way down. So in other words, your preparation time is for both directions. You bet. Yep. Um, I, I talk about that in the book a lot. That the you know bef now sometimes mountains in life show up quickly. You know they're right. you know you, you didn't have to you know six weeks to plan your trip, but you still need to plan. 
you, you still need to say, well, what do I need to take with me? And, and what don't I need to take? That's another big question. There are a lot of people carrying things on their journey that they don't need to take. Uh, some of them have, oh, I'll just pick one here, have the wrong friend. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a friend who thinks they've got all the answers. They're a friend who thinks, well, I had that problem. And you know what we did? All we did was, and, and their whole time is telling you what to do. That's the wrong friend <laughs> to take with you on your journey. Um, so there's those kind of things. That's part of preparation. But then, yes, it's you know, when you're on your way down, even mentally, you have to start preparing for what's his life going to be like when I get to the parking lot? You know, what am I going to do differently when the car drives into the driveway at home from this mountain trip? So what? how do you recommend taking care of um, or responding to those people who would slow you down? Um, well, yeah. I, I think, one, don't make early promises. There are a lot of people who want to help you early on, and that's wonderful. They, they Most of them have a good heart and a good spirit. But I know early on we had to say to several people, and we had to say it more than once, uh, let me just say this one more time, you know, John or Alice or whoever, um, we're not going to be able to connect with you the way we, we have for the last few months. Our time and energy is going to be very, very limited. I, I literally had to ask uh, someone to leave my wife's hospital room. I, I, I think I was gracious, but I, I very firmly over and over said, she cannot have anyone here uh, anymore. Uh, and, and it's just going to be that way for a while. And I, I, I appreciate your help, blah, 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 blah. But, <laughs> so sometimes you, just, you, you may have to say it several times because people mean well. But if they're not going to be helpful, then you don't want them around for a while. That's probably one of the toughest things I think that we have. Because it really is. Uh, it, it's the positive versus negative war. And negative. Some people wreak negativity without even realizing it, yep. and it it's masked by good works, but it isn't yep. good works. It's judgment and it's yes. negative thinking and putting those thoughts in you that you know what? Maybe you should accept the ulterior. You know, maybe that maybe it's not going to work out. Rather than giving you encouragement, is that you kind of what you're it. saying as well? I am, and and you know, again, people people mean well, but a lot of them want. They want to fix you. They yes. want you to be, you know, they, they want to get this over with right away. And, and let me talk about a reverse situation real quickly, and that is there will be people that you do invite in for those months, maybe a year of time when you're going through this and they've been a big help and, and all of that, but then your climb is over. Well, they often think, well, we're going to have the same relationship, right? Well, maybe, but in many cases, no, you, you won't. You, you, you don't need them, and you don't want to sound unappreciative. But there can be some tension when they go, well, well, well wait, we're not going to get together every week for coffee? You mean I'm not going to drive? No. And, and so you've got you've to manage that, and you've got to try to handle it well and give, give them a little warning that, hey, things aren't going to be quite the same, but, boy, I'll never forget what you did or, you know, whatever the situation is. Let's stop here for a second and relate that to um, child rearing. 
as you were talking, I was just thinking about that because I think that some of these lessons that you are trying to instill on how to handle your own situations, how to, do you have any recommendations on how to instill that in our children? Well, uh, one, you model it. <laughs> you know, I, I think I always tell people the earlier you can start, you know, certain uh, uh, guidelines or uh, initiatives in your home, the better. Um, uh, for example, um, when children need to learn that, you know, sometimes there are exceptions in life, but they're not, they don't, they don't all of a sudden become the norm. For example, the child who wants to, you know, you get to stay up late and watch a ball game together or, you know, see a special program or whatever. And so you, everybody stayed up till 11, but they normally go to bed at 830. Well, the next night, uh, we didn't change everything to 11 o'clock, <laughs> you know, right. life still goes, goes back here. So, so you model that and, but you say, wasn't that fun? We got this wonderful exception. Uh, you can do the same thing, uh, in, with on a vacation, we would say, "Hey, we got to go to the mountains, and we did all those cool things, and we got those beautiful views." But no, we're not going to have those back in everyday life. So let's plan for that. Let's think about that. Right. Um, so, yeah, you. I think you model it the best you can. Okay. So, what about another lesson? Um, wow, uh, there are a ton, but. Um, I, th I think one of those is, let, let me go back to the descent for a minute. Things look differently coming down than they did going up in many cases. Um, and, and the thing I want to highlight there is that if, if you go down too quickly, if, if you're just rushing to say, okay, I got through this and now let's move on with life, you're going to miss some views that you you, you, you wouldn't see because the light looks different when you come down. It wasn't the same when you went up. You might have started in the dark <laughs> and now now the <laughs> sun shines. Um, you might miss some people. You know, um, we, we have met some of the greatest people in the mountains. I, I remember we were doing Longs Peak and it's so hard. It's eight miles each way and a lot of that is, most of that is up on the way up. And it's really hard. And my son and I had planned as well as we could to have enough water, Gatorade, whatever with us. And these guys were coming down and he said, you look like you don't have much water left. And I said, well, maybe not. And he said, I'm filling your bottle right now. Because he knew how far we had to go. I've never, it was a dumb little thing, but I've never forgotten that. I never forgot that. Because it was just such a gracious, kind yes. thing. And, and so, you know, if you, if you go through this whole process, and, and I would even tell my kids this, don't go through life just running and speeding. And there's a lot of people right there that you, you could meet and get to know and learn from and intersect with that um, going fast, uh, you, you just fly by them. So uh, that's another great lesson. We, we learned that in, in, in the uh, chemo ward you know my really? my wife would meet somebody there and i just go wow think of that we would have missed that opportunity uh, without her having to go through this did you change you know i, I i'm just thinking I'm, I'm listening to you now like what you just said and i'm wondering did that change you from the kind of person you actually were by going through this 
or were you that person all along and you just tapped into what was what was already there? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to say I was that person, but <laughs> any of any any of these experiences if if they, you know, even if there was some good there, it it expands your horizon. Right. It, it expands your good. Um, you know, I remember one of the things it did for me because I was the caregiver in this case. Um, but when I began to now relate to people who also were going through their own cancer or their own struggle, I started talking to the caregiver because I'd forget them. And then I, then I realized, wait a minute, I remember how hard that was. I remember not having my wife for a year and a half for all practical purposes. That's not easy. And, and so I had a new sense and appreciation for what they were going through, and, and I could recognize that. So I know it, it's, it's just made me a better friend and, you know, a better listener and all that. I think that one of the things that people struggle with a lot in life is fear. And this is, you know, when you come up against something like this mountain that was in front of you, how did you, each of you individually or together, deal with that aspect? Yeah, well, of course, the moment we heard the news, we wondered if she was going to live because that's a, a natural question. And, and I really, again, think that there, there are a number of things. You know, some people certainly add faith to the mixture, and some people we certainly are how we think is, is so essential, you know, and, and how we grew up even. But one of the things that, again, helped us up this mountain and to deal with the fear was get up the next switchback. I mean, that is such a huge thing because, again, if, if, if we'd have thought about the top of the mountain, Right then, the fear would have been simply overwhelming, and we probably would have just gone in our room and got under the covers and you know, said, we don't know what to do. But the fact that somebody said, no, let's start here, that was so helpful. And, and then we, we, could, we could move on and say, hey, you know what? We made that. And so the fear went, was lessened because we went, we can do that. With people's help, God's help, with friends' help, whatever, the medical help, we can get through this and and I think that helps a lot with the fear I think what you're saying too is you're along with taking one step at a time as you face your fears one at a time you bet well, yeah that's that's the only way uh, you can do it um, you know I've, I've done some rappelling you know 85 feet over a cliff you said you don't like heights well if you get at the top of an 85 foot cliff and they you know push you over the side that's a scary deal but <laughs> But the cool thing was, I, it's, I coined a phrase out of that experience, and it's called exhilarating terror. Wow. It's an oxymoron. Right. But it's, it's this idea of, I was terrified, I realized the rope held me, I got to the bottom and I went, that was so cool, I want to do that again. <laughs> so so you, you take that fear, you overcome it, and then you go, well then I want to do it again. And now I'm not so afraid of it anymore. But but it took that you know experiment try it and do one thing at a time and and see what happens exhilarating terror yeah so in other words it's healthy fear it, you bet it is yeah and now there's some things we should be afraid of you know right <laughs> um, and and that's why preparation and other people are so helpful but um healthy fear is a good yeah it's a great thing what kept 
you, either individually or together, the two of you, from mm -hmm. giving up? Uh, a couple things. One is uh, the right people. It's it's really good to have people who have kind of been where you have been, but who aren't, they aren't telling you how to do it, but they're just saying, I've been up the trail. My wife tells us a great story. We were hiking. I make this really brief. It was a terrible trail. We did not like it, but we had heard there was a beautiful lake and view if we got to the end of where we were going. Well, we went, went and went and went. It was steep. I finally said to her, you know what? I'm going up the trail. You wait here. Let me just see where I get in the next 10 minutes. Well, all of a sudden, I, I went up. It was still steep. I found, I went, this is awesome. I came back down, said to her, you know what? You can make it. Uh, I've been there. I've been up there. And she says, that changed everything for me. She said, because I was done. But when you said, you can make it, I've been up this trail, let's go. Then she still had to climb that part, but we we made it. And so that's that was really a big thing for us is having the right people around us. Secondly, it was progress. Again, it was turning around and saying, look at how far we've come. You know, we, yes. we can't we don't go back. It, it feels like it at times, but we kept we turn around and say, we have made incredible progress with all these wonderful factors and people. And, and that's that's how we kept going. And, and we just um, believe the, you know, I, I have another sub phrase to never quit climbing, and it is the view from the top is worth it. So um, we, we just knew we wanted to see that view if we possibly could. So. Something you just said triggered a thought, and that is going down is not going back. Oh, no. If that's a what that's a great line. I, I may I may use that. Well there uh, you go. You use that. It, it hit me as you were talking. Oh, that's, that's, that's really a great a, there's really a difference, isn't there? Right. Well as Ed Vister said, it's it's half it's the other half of the climb. You you've got to get down. But yeah, if you can anticipate hey, we've made it over this mountain, but there's more to come. Um, be because there's always one more mountain. There's, you know, there's always a bigger one, most likely, unless you do Everest. But there's always something more challenging or that you want to do, and that's a good thing, but you've got to embrace what you just did and enjoy it for what it is and anticipate, hey, when I get down, my, my life is going to be different yeah. in some way. And uh, let's go. So. Wow, that is so encouraging. You know, there you shared here today so many nuggets. I mean, they're golden nuggets of things that we possibly all already know, but you made it sound so easy and how to use these, how to spend these nuggets in our own lives. And then to Great. top that off, having your own experience of overcoming this phenomenal battle. I mean, that speaks loudly to people who may be struggling. So yep. is there something, Gary, that you want to summarize and just, you know, encourage sure. and and talk a little bit about your book as well? I want to know if it, what type of book is it? Is it strictly a story or is it a uh, self-help book? So address those things. Yeah, sure. Well, well the, the thing I would want to leave, and it, I, it's probably been the thread in, in everything I've said, but whatever your struggle is you know finances you you listed them well earlier you know grieving illness live in the moment of it 
because yeah there's parts of it that you're hating you, who who wants to have cancer who wants to be in debt you know any of those things but there are things in the moment of getting through that and of climbing your mountain that you don't want to miss like i mentioned people and little miracles or little provisions or you know the, all the views aren't at the summit and the views on the way up uh, you know, we'd see wildlife and we go, how cool, who gets to see that, you know, living right, in the middle right. of Indiana. Um, so um, I, I would just say, don't miss that, you know, from preparation to going through, you know, getting up the mountain to the to the way down. Enjoy the moments uh, and not just the fact that you reached the summit. Uh, the book is both... Uh, it's, it's got a lot of stories in it. It's got the story of how we got to love the mountains. It's got the story of my not making it up Long's Peak and uh, later climbing it with my son and with my kids. It's got uh, some of Jackie's story of you know getting cancer and but in between all of that, we kind of cover what a mountain journey should look like. Everything from the preparation. Um, putting aside excuses, you know, we didn't talk a lot about that, but we all have, we'll have excuses of why I don't need to climb this mountain, or, you know, well, I don't have time, or, you know, I don't have enough money, or, you know, whatever the deal is, and so I talk a lot about uh, some of the excuses, or I also talk about why people quit in the middle of their climb, and that's really important that you kind of are, are ready for that, and then I talk about, you know, the taking one step at a time, and the descent going back down but it's it's peppered with lots of stories lots of illustrations lots of examples i like what you said there about excuses and why people quit i think that that alone is a good reason to buy the book good yeah i i think so and i appreciate that so thank you so much gary this is thank so you. inspiring i'm i just am going to uh promote this and i think Everybody needs this. Everybody, because we all have a point of struggle. And we how we make it easier, not only is attitude, but the tools. And what you've given us today are tools. And you I bet. sincerely appreciate that. So I think at the, the end of the day, what I want everybody to walk away with is never, ever quit climbing. <laughs> I agree. So thank you so much, Gary, and I appreciate you being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.